Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game. Today is July 30th, so that means by the time you're listening to this, we are officially one month away from Penn State football. My name is Chris, joined as always by my co-host, Pat. Pat, how the hell are you, man? It's been a while. It's good to be back. I'm excited for some Penn State football, let me tell you. Hell yes. So we say this at the beginning of every episode in the offseason because... We typically do about one a month if we're lucky, Um, but it's been a while. So some things have happened. Uh, We had Big Ten media days. We had Lash Bash, the big recruiting weekend. Uh, It's watch list season. Tons of people on watch lists. And uh, we got some Twitter questions from from our our followers on Twitter. Uh, So a lot to get into. I'm just going to jump right into it. We're going to start with some quick hitters. Uh, So these are some noteworthy sound bites from... From around the league, we'll say. Uh, by league, I mean Twitter, because that's where I live. Uh, the first one comes from someone called Inside the Team. So this is an account that is apparently run by former college athletes who wanted to give current college athletes a voice to talk about, I guess, their coaches and their their respective programs, but under the cloak of uh, being anonymous. Yeah. But like an inside look from athletes, which I think is useful. Yeah, very, very cool. Um, so there was one from them that, that kind of blew up in the Penn State community. It was a tweet that said, uh, mixed, mixed feelings on James Franklin uh, from a former player, gave him a one-star rating, said all he knows how to do is recruit, and that's it. And then a current player gave him a five-star rating and said he's the best coach in college football. Your thoughts? Uh, this actually didn't surprise me at all. Uh, so the five, I'll go to the five-star first. I think he's a guy, people who play for him tend to love him, a lot of them. And the guys who play for him really want to play for him, so it doesn't surprise me that there are guys on that team that think he's the best coach in college football because he believes he's the best team in college football. Yeah. And that's the kind of belief I think they all have in each other. The one star also doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, and the reasoning is, so I, I've, I've got this from, I guess you could call it an inside source. Not that I'm delusional enough to believe that anything on this podcast would ever get anyone in any kind of trouble, <laughs> but I'll leave names out of it. Fair enough. Journalistic integrity. But uh, a couple of guys who were on the team that, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, guys that were recruited by O'Brien and Paterno mm-hmm. that then played under Franklin, they didn't like him a lot. Uh, they, And this was also before he started really winning, too. Sure. Yeah, those um, first couple of years were were a little tough. But the feeling with a lot of those guys that he didn't recruit was that if he didn't, if you weren't recruited by Franklin, he didn't really want you there. Interesting. He wanted his guys on the field and in the room, and he had very little interest in guys that weren't his guys. Interesting. Okay, so that's inside news from No Names All Game. Tell your friends we got all the sources. That's right. Um, but no, I, I think I understand that, and and. Again, who knows what the full truth is? Everyone has their version of the story, but I, I could see that. And I think anytime you have that big of sort of a cultural shift from Paterno to the scandal to O'Brien to Franklin, there's I think it was be like that things, season right? was like there was one class of kids left who were recruited, recruited by Joe Pa, and then like two classes of O'Brien, and yep. then the one coming in of Franklin's. Right, right. So yeah, I, I get that. And and I think, like you mentioned, this this account, I'm actually kind of okay with it. Like, you know, they're trying to give athletes a voice. And, and it's funny because everyone was responding like, tell us who they are, otherwise this isn't valid. No. It's like, well, that's the purpose of being anonymous, man. Yeah. Uh, my problem with it, and I tweeted this out from our account, is it's just such a small sample size. I mean, you pick two players from 
any program in the country, I'm sure you can find one on the far negative and one on the far positive. Yeah, there's like 80 kids on the roster yeah. each season. Yeah. So again, and I'm all Franklin's for Franklin's been this. here, what, six seasons? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm all Someone's for this Someone's going to hate him. <laughs> I'm all for this account. I would love to see like a broader sample size. I would love to see, hey, we interviewed 25 Penn State players or, you know, 25 former and current 80% of them think he's great or so, something like that. Yeah, I, I think agree. would be really cool. Um, maybe we'll reach out to the to that uh, Twitter account. Yeah, that would be cool to know and, if and they did us. like a, a large number of yeah. what the results were. And I'm sure it's tough because like not everyone's going to want to share it, even if it is anonymous, you know, like it, yeah. it, 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 there's always, I'm sure there's always that sort of, you know, concern about saying something potentially negative about your own program or your own coach. Um, so yeah, very, very cool uh, Twitter handle. I think this one got really blown out of proportion. People were having like, people were getting triggered about it. Like there's no way he's only good at recruiting. It's like, dude, first of all, relax. It's one person's opinion. Second of all, like there's probably some middle ground to that. Like, you can think he's the best coach in college football. Sure, if you want. You can think he's the worst. Like, there's somewhere in the middle is the truth, and every kid's going to think differently. So, shout out inside the team on Twitter. Um, maybe they'll want to come on and chat with us sometime. Here's what I will say, though, is that no matter how much this one kid hates him, he still has to admit that he's good at recruiting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we got that. You know what? Anything you want to say about the X's and O's, the guy can fucking recruit. Yeah. Can't say he's bad at everything, <laughs> even if you hate him. All right, so moving on to the next uh, next quick hitter here comes from another Twitter account, and I almost don't want to shout these guys out, but it, it's kind of gotten under my skin recently, so we're going to talk about them. It's an account called at CFB Quotes, College Football Quotes, and they even have the word quotes in quotes in their bio. It says that they are a parody account, so you can't take anything they say real. The big one going around recently is they took a clip uh, of Tim Tebow doing some sort of like football analysis. And the, the host says, Tim, who are your top four teams? And he responds, he goes, oh, it's so early to say, but I guess I'll say uh, Alabama, TCU, Georgia, and uh, I'll throw in Penn State. So everyone on Twitter is either screaming, saying, how the hell is Clemson not in there? Are you kidding me? Or the Penn State fans saying, Kind of ironically, I think some. I think most people are ironically. Some are like actually believing it, but like, ah, oh, Tim Tebow really knows his stuff. Always one of my favorite guys. Like people getting really, really behind it. Uh, so we looked into it. Uh, got a got a tip. Shout out Brandon Beal. Uh, when a friend said, "Hey, this is this is an old video," so I did some research. It is. It's from October twentieth, two thousand seventeen. Uh, we were six and zero at the time. Going into the game against Michigan, we actually won that game. We were we were on a run. So for him to have us as the fourth best team in the country at the time, Made love sense. it. Love it. Um, here's what I don't like about this account. And I, and I tweeted out, like, I'll give them this. They're good at what they do. They get you to believe what they want to. Uh, and I almost want to take that back because they're pissing me off now. But So what they did is they took that, like, 10-second clip from the whole show <laughs> But they even went as far as to Photoshop on it uh, a banner that said Undisputed, which is like a current show, and they put the date, 7-26-19. It was from first take. It was from a completely different show. So, like, you're going out of your way to, like, trick people. Yeah. And it's, okay, that one is fine. That's funny. So I looked into their account a little bit. They actually got me a couple weeks ago with their Shea Patterson tweet. Um, I don't know if you saw that one, but it was basically they did a tweet. They're like, uh, Where he said something bad about Harbaugh, right? Yeah, completely fake. Yeah. They photoshopped the whole thing. I, I thought maybe it was like uh like a like an actual burner or some like someone was someone was doing something trying to get like under Shay's skin or something, but like they just made the whole thing up. Like Shay, Shay wrote back, was like, whatever, this isn't real. 
So they got me with that one. I look at it again today. They have a, a breaking news. Tate Martell is transferring from Miami because of a falling out with the coaches. Like this whole thing. And Tate Martell replies to the back to them like fake news. And it's like, I just, I don't know. I don't get the funniness. Like maybe, maybe I'm missing the humor. You're the comedian. Like I would say they're the kind of people who uh, they think it's really funny when people freak out about what they post. And yeah. everyone who follows them knows that it's not real. But they know that someone retweets it. And then someone who sees the retweet doesn't know what that account is and doesn't know it's a fake account. Yeah. And so then it gets all these retweets and all these people who don't know that the account is fake see it and they go crazy. Yeah. Oh, it's chaos. They think it's funny to see people go crazy. Yeah. All right. I I guess I get that. I I don't know. For me, it's like it's like the National Enquirer just like making up stories because like the Tebow one kind of funny. Like you you psych people out for like something that's relevant. Tim Tebow is going to be okay. Like I think doing that to Shea Patterson is kind of shitty. Yeah, exactly. To, to him, to Tate Martell, to like that kind of stuff rubs me the wrong way. Cause like I, I can get behind a good like gotcha on Twitter. I think one of my favorites, uh, I was kind of relating the Tim Tebow one to is um, during NFL season, everyone freaks out about fantasy football, right? So it's always hilarious to me when someone retweets a tweet from like, five years ago that says like Julio Jones left practice with a lower leg injury. And for a minute, maybe 30 seconds, people freak out. But then you click on the tweet and you see the date and okay, joke had moving on. These ones, the Shea Patterson, the Tate Martell, it's like, I don't know. I don't personally get it. Um, I, if that's their thing, sure. But uh, I'm going to also do like my- Shea Patterson actually had to deal with fallout from this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, cause I even tweeted, I was like, I was like burner account or not like this is a bad look. And yeah, so like he, he, he wrote back and he's like, Hey, like the spacing between the underscore and the one looks a little off. Like, and I looked at it and, and it is like, you can tell like it's a Photoshop basically. Um, but whatever, I don't want to spend too much time on this. I thought the Tim Tebow one was kind of funny. The rest of the account, I don't personally get it, but if you're into that thing, sure, whatever. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, talking about being bad at social media. Florida State. Did you see this? I did not. I'm okay. excited to see it. So Florida State is really bad at social media. I'm a little bit woke though, so I'm going to show uh, Pat. It's bad radio, but I'm going to show Pat live what the tweet said, and we're going to we're going to have him try to decipher it. So, Pat, you can read it out loud. First time ever seeing it. Okay. This many days until Knowles football. Hashtag one tribe. That's either four days, a hundred and fifty-four days. <laughs> it's a picture of number fifteen standing with his arms out next to the number four. Yeah, so no one knows what the hell this is. Supposed is number to be. fifteen supposed to be a one? There's not fourteen days either, are there? No, there's are like there fifteen like, days. There's like thirty something days. When they tweeted this out, I think it was like thirty-two days. It's fifteen times four, <laughs> isn't even. <laughs> so yeah, you're doing exactly what most of the commenters did. People on Twitter were were commenting, "Oh, it's fifteen times four minus fifteen plus four plus four plus four. Also, you have to take into account his hand is, is stretched out with all five fingers, so that must mean something." People were just having a field day with it, talking about how bad Florida State's social media is. is. No idea. It's The tweet has since been deleted. Um, I'm a little woke to this. I think they are just so bad at social media that it creates more buzz. Everyone was talking about them when this came out. It was, I don't know, two days ago. It was the 29th uh, yesterday. You think someone was like, listen, tweet it out. Yeah, because they, they had they another one. They won't get it. Dude, they had another one. Nobody too. knows what it means. Um, it gets the people going. <laughs> it's provocative. <laughs> they, they had one a couple months ago. Or When's Martin Luther King Day? Uh, February? Is that right? No, it's Black History Month. I'm terrible. I'm sorry. Whenever Martin Luther King Day is, uh, they had a, like a, 
uh, happy Martin Luther King Day, go Knowles. And it was like a Photoshop of like Martin Luther King saying like, go Knowles. And it was terrible. And That's kind of weird. Really bad. So basically. There's no connection to Florida State as far no, as I know. They, they do this shit all the time. I think they're just trying to stir up some buzz and hell, it's working because program's not great. So you got to do something. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was a, a live interpretation of Florida State football's terrible social media brought to you by Pat Calicchio. <laughs> All right, uh, last of the quick hitters, uh, some NFL updates. So like I said, it is July 30th. Uh, most NFL camps are underway. A couple, of, a couple of Penn State guys getting some buzz early on. Take this with an absolute grain of salt. It is week one of training camp. Shit doesn't typically mean a ton, but, but some cool things. Uh, first one, Miles Sanders, uh, rookie year with the Eagles. He's getting a lot of praise. Um, a lot of different reporters are saying he just looks different than the other running backs, meaning uh, the way he bursts, bursts through the hole, the way he's running after uh, after contact or quote-unquote contact, whatever you have in these soft drills. Um, but a lot of people saying, like, you know, as long as there's no concerns with, with fumbles or pass protection, they think he'll probably ascend to be the guy sooner than later, which is pretty cool after, like, a couple of days of, of camp. I'll tell you what, it doesn't shock me, though, because I don't think the Eagles have really had a the guy at running back other than a short stint with J.H.I. Yep. Yep. Um, and I, I, I think on any team other than, like, the Giants, the Cowboys, the Jets, that's really it. Like, Miles Sanders uh, could come in and be not like a star, but an impact player in his first season in the NFL. Yep. And on a team that is particularly, you know, had doesn't have much depth at running back, doesn't surprise me that he's going to be the guy. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Number one, how good did it feel to say Jets in that in that Woo! string of like teams that I have did. a good running back? <laughs> For any new listeners, I know we got a lot of new followers. Pat and I are both Jets fans, uh, so having any sort of positive is, is fantastic. Uh, and second, yeah, I think I think the the Eagles for the last probably couple of years they've had more of a committee approach. So this year it'll be Miles. They did bring in Jordan Howard, who used to be a stud for the Bears. Um, we'll see kind of how he, you know, either bounces back or, or stays where he's at. Um, Darren Sproles is still there. There's a couple other guys, but what is yeah. Darren Sproles? 80 years old? Yeah, gotta be. This has gotta be his last year. Um, but really cool for Miles to get get some shout out. Uh, you can see he's working hard. There's been a couple pictures and tweets of him, you know, being the first one out on the field, being last to leave. All all great Penn State stuff. Uh, next, Trace McSorley, rookie in the Baltimore Ravens camp. He's been working all over. So you guys have probably seen uh, the tweets and the articles about him working uh, with the punt teams, the the kick return teams, all kinds of different special teams. Uh, people have compared him since he was drafted to Taysom Hill, sort of the Swiss Army knife for the Saints. Um, but the news that actually came out, I don't know, sometime in the last day or two, uh, RG3, who is technically the backup to Lamar Jackson, uh, got hurt. So Trace is going to get a lot more backup QB reps, which he wasn't quite getting. He was third on that depth chart. So, uh, and, and his quote even was, you know, you never want to see anyone get hurt. You don't wish that on anyone, but of course it's an opportunity. So I'm super pumped that he'll actually get some, some more look at QB rather than just, Hey, he's an athletic dude and we'll see what he can do. Yeah. And I think at this point as a quarterback, he probably has a higher ceiling than RG three. I don't think RG three really has it anymore. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. RG three at this point is he's your, Hey, if if our starter goes down, we can throw him in, and, and we know it won't be a complete dumpster fire. Like serviceable. I don't even know if he's that anymore. I gotta be honest with you. That's it's fair, but I I think that's when's the last the time he took an NFL right? snap? 
I have no idea, <laughs> but that's the assumption, right? That's yeah. at least what they're investing in him. Um, so I think that's really cool for Trace. Uh, you know, he's gotten a lot of a lot of praise for being, you know, a really high IQ guy. The way he works through things can absorb a lot of information. Really, really great to see. Uh, tweet came out today about Chris Godwin that I absolutely fucking love. Um, Godwin is one of my favorite Penn State players of recent memory. Uh, yeah. I watched, uh, I think it was Big Ten Network actually put out a video today. I don't know why if it's like just slow summer months, but they put out a video of all of Trace McSorley's passing touchdowns for the 2016 season. It's when he, I guess, broke the Penn State record for single season. Godwin was all over that highlight reel. I forgot how good he was that year. Uh, he's been on the the Tampa Bay Bucks. I think he's going into year three. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of been buried on the depth chart. They've had Deshaun Jackson there. They've Mike had Mike Evans. Evans there. They've had Adam Humphreys there. They've had a lot of guys for a while. Um, in his flashes, he's shown that he can be really, really great. He had a pretty hot start the last season. Yeah, yeah. He was like fantasy football relevant at one point. Um, so he's shown what he can do. Deshaun is now gone. Bruce Arians, head coach uh, of uh, of the Bucks, says he's never coming off the field. <laughs> that is just, I mean, you got to love that. He said he thinks he can have a Larry Fitzgerald-type impact because he'll work both outside and in the slot. That's just fucking awesome. I love it. Love it. I'm a, uh, I I, I <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Those yes. words. Uh, <laughs> it's you know, we, we see a guy like Chris Godwin at Penn State like putting up the numbers he did. And then first first year in the league, you know, he was very quiet and you're kind of surprised. Mm-hmm. Second year league, he gets off to a hot start then like kind of fizzles out from there and again, you're very surprised. But sometimes you forget that it takes guys a time to make impact in the NFL, especially wide receivers. Yeah. It's very rare for wide receivers to come in and just put up big numbers right away. Yeah. So completely. I think we're going to start seeing some very reliable uh, playing time and numbers out of Chris Godwin. Yeah. Super pumped for him. Uh, a couple other quick ones. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton, Mike Kosicki both got shouted out by their social media teams for some nice one handed catches. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it's a, it's a single play, but very cool. Uh, Grant Haley got some praise from Giants head coach Pat Shermer, uh, talking about how he's feisty uh, and while a little bit undersized, um, really puts his all into everything. He he carved out a really good role with them towards the end of the year last year. He's done a great job, like breaking through whatever ceiling people had set for him. I think he's probably already exceeded yeah. what really any expectations were for his NFL career. Yeah, and I think that was our first. I think that was our first show was that draft, right when he didn't get drafted. Like, that was our first beginning of this podcast was yeah. that NFL draft because it was him and Kabinda, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, and we were shocked that he didn't even get drafted. Uh, you know, got picked up by the Giants, undrafted, worked his way, I guess, through the practice squad onto the 53-man um, and, and really proved himself. So I, I think he, you know, if, if you're if you're into the pro football focus stuff, he was like one of the highest graded uh, corners um, on the team. And I think in the NFC East, they do like the divisional ones. Um, so really cool. I, I think he'll, he'll get a lot. Uh, a lot of opportunity this year as well. And then lastly, uh, just today or yesterday, Kyle Carter, uh, tight end, was signed by the Buffalo Bills. Um, he's had a, he's had a cup of coffee in the league, kind of been on and off teams here and there. Um, he's actually been doing some work with uh, starting his own Kyle Carter youth camp, had his first one recently, uh, which was really cool because uh, you got to see a lot of the former Penn Staters from that group uh, all, all show up to support him. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but they called themselves the Super Six. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yeah. It was, uh, it was Kyle Carter. Uh, Adrian Amos, Allen Robinson, uh, Donovan Smith, Dion Barnes, and who am I missing? 
I don't know. Shit, there's one more. I don't know. I'm, I'm missing it, but I'll get there. Um, but there, like several of them were there um, for his camp. Like Donovan Smith in the NFL was there. Adrian Amos in the NFL was there. So I thought that was really, really cool. Um, and, yeah, I don't know how this will go if he's, you know, practice squad, if he's on the full team, if he's filling in for injuries. But cool to see him back in the league after, you know, taking some time off. Hell, yeah. All right, so those were the quick hitters. Uh, not that quick. Took a little bit longer than I expected. But, guys, it's been a while. We're excited to be back. Uh, so let's move into Big Ten Media Days. Big Ten Media Days happened uh, last week. This is always that time of year where you can start sniffing football again. You get a lot of sound bites. You get a lot of hot quotes. You get to see some, you know, some players talk about their teams. And a lot of it is just talk. But that's what we're here for. So let's talk about it. Uh, James Franklin, he brought Cam Brown... John Reed, Blake Gillikin. There's a lot of speculation about why no offense. So Cam Brown's a linebacker, John Reed plays corner, and Blake Gillikin is our punter. Um, I forget who, but someone wrote an article that this was a subtle hint that the defense will need to carry the offense this year. I doubt it. Exactly. I, I don't think James Franklin is some like whisperer about who he brings. The fact of the matter is he always brings seniors. Like Saquon Barkley never went to a Big Ten media day. Like he brings seniors, and I think that's cool. He he. You know, gives guys who have been with the program, you know, their whole four or five years, a, a chance to shine and to be in front of sort of, you know, the cameras and everything. Uh, so if you want to look at, at true seniors from the offense, it would have been Steven Gonzalez, offensive line, which I think could have been cool. Um, you know, that, that could have been nice. Or Nick Bowers, who's a tight end who actually should have a, a decent role this year, but he's been hurt for most of his career. I'm fine with it. I have no problem with yeah. this selection. Uh, a couple of the hot topics that came from this. First one were suspensions. Uh, so Journey Brown and Yitor Grossmatos both suspended from the team for summer activities due to a violation of team rules. Uh, they'll be back August 1st, so the next day or two, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, I, I have no idea what this is about. Everyone, everyone's asking, and Franklin is Franklin is the I'm just here so I don't get fined type when yeah. asked about these. They probably went out and had a couple of brewskis. Yeah, yeah, it's possible. We banged uh, a couple of broods. Oh, hey now. Who knows? Hey now. <laughs> um, yeah, he just kept saying it's a violation of team rules. It's a violation of team rules. Um, he wouldn't say if it, if they'll be impacted for the first game or not. Wouldn't surprise me I if think you he, see them sit out a series or sit out a quarter. I think he said that the it's supposed to last until camp starts, essentially. That they were suspended for the month of July. Yeah, yeah. So they'll be back with the team August 1st, but they asked, they asked like, uh, will this impact week one? Will they be able to play? And like, he wouldn't comment on it. So again, wouldn't surprise me if you see them like miss a series or miss a quarter or something. Journey Brown, not super worried about it. Like, Journey, I love you, but whatever. If you miss a we, couple we, of series, we've got a very deep running back. We'll be okay. Yitor, obviously, you want him out there. Um, so yeah. Franklin was still hyping Journey Brown though, which I thought was really cool. So these and and Yitor, these guys are both suspended, but he's still you know showing them love. Uh, a lot of people were asking about the running back depth, and we will get to that in a little bit. Um, people were saying, so you've got Ricky Slade and Noah Kane, and Franklin like almost jumps in to like cut them off. He goes, oh yeah, and there's a guy named Journey Brown. We're, we're really happy with Journey. We're happy with what he's doing. Like makes makes it an effort to get his name in the conversation. Um, and in years past, the people that they hype up in camp typically have. Some pretty good involvement in breakout years. Um, a couple of years ago, it was Juwan Johnson. Like before he broke onto the scene, you heard everything about him. Uh, this year, the two that I hear, it's Journey, and then it's uh, Jason Owe, D defensive end. So watch out for those guys. Um, Jason Owe, is he the one who ran that ridiculous 40-yard dash? Yeah, he runs like a 4-3-3 or something, and he's a beast defensive end. Absolutely ridiculous. Him and Micah are like... Uh, 
like the friendliest competition in the world because they're like best friends, but they are like heated at each other for who's the most athletic. And it's just, it's awesome. Um, so that, that's kind of the, the, the filler stuff that everyone made big stories about. That's not really stories. Um, one of the biggest ones for me, uh, and, I, and I talked about this on Twitter too, Franklin talks about a QB battle. So we have talked about Tommy Stevens leaving at length. Not going to bring that up again. I uh, saw the tweets from Mississippi State about him in Mississippi State uniform for the first time. I'm not going to cry on air. Uh, but, yeah, he, he talks like everyone. everyone's asking, like, so, Sean Clifford, uh, how, how's he going to play in and how's he adjusting? And Franklin says, well, we've got two guys, two guys that we really love. We've got Clifford and we got Will Levis. And, you know, we're going to have a really good battle in camp. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see who takes it. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, Franklin seems like the kind of guy who there's a QB battle every season. I mean, last year there was a QB battle, in quotes, between Trace and Tommy. Did you really ever think Trace was not going to start? No, but, like, that was established. Like, the last real battle, I remember, is the first year for uh, Trace versus Tommy after Hack left, right? And they, they drew that out for a while and said it was neck and neck, and Trace just beat Tommy out. And Trace is our starter for the next three years. Like, the, the problem I have with this is especially with Tommy leaving, like there was uncertainty at, at quarterback regardless because because of what Trace has done for the program and who he's been. So anytime you lose someone like that, it's kind of you know up in the air of what's the identity of this offense. Everyone thought it was going to be Tommy Stevens. He transfers out. I mean, there was those articles of, of that day when they found out that Tommy left. Sean like stood up in the locker room and addressed the team. And was like, you know, you won't see any drop off at QB, like QB room. We're going to work as hard as we can. Like took that leadership approach already. Um, something I thought was interesting, I was watching the clip of the players' interviews with the Big Ten Network and the guy hosting it. Uh, he asked them, he's like, so is it different being out there and not seeing Trace McSorley? And unprompted, he didn't mention either of the current quarterbacks. Cam Brown and John Reed both started talking about Sean Clifford. They're like, yeah, Sean's, you know, but we got Sean. He's a competitor. He's a baller. He can do this. He can do that. Like, if the team knows it's Clifford, if we all believe it's Clifford, I would love just to see him named the starter, have that set, because I feel like that just gives you an identity. That gives you rhythm. That gives you confidence as an offense rather than string it out. Like, What difference does it really make, though? Because if they're actually dividing reps, I think that's a huge difference. If they're actually splitting reps 50-50 in practice. Probably not 50-50. I hope not. <laughs> that's what Franklin's telling us, though. Uh, he's telling us it's a true competition. So I, I hope that's not the case. Um, I had people battling me on Twitter that uh, we should have both because injuries happen. <laughs> and they both need to be prepared so that we should take the first two games of the season and split them 50-50. Wait, uh, someone said we should split the first two games of the season 50-50? Yeah, yeah it, it made me laugh. Uh, so I had, to, like, pull, I had pulled like receipts of... Like Trace played all but like four snaps in the first three games last year, and that's where like with a very established quarterback, yeah. you want your starting quarterback to play as much as possible early in the season, so that you are ready for when you get to that Big Ten slate. I'm fine with them having this quarterback battle in camp, but I think you know once you get towards a few weeks before the season, it should be there should be a be, starter, right? And 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 here's the thing too, I'll say if if internally they all know it's Cliff. And, and Franklin is kind of putting on the, the dog and pony show to, to let kids know, recruits, transfers, that, hey, anything is an open competition and you always have a shot. Fine with that. I just, I, I don't know, who am I to talk, but I want, I want that synergy in camp that they all know Sean Clifford is their guy. 
Uh, speaking of Sean Clifford, one uh, tidbit that we got from Franklin that uh, that was pretty cool. He talked about when Clifford first came on, one of the things he told him was you got to work on your athleticism. He was running like 4, 8, 40. Um, and we had obviously been accustomed to guys that can run. Uh, he said recently he's tested faster than Trace did in the 40-yard dash. Yeah, that's, that's a big difference. That's a huge difference because Trace at Didn't the combine Trace run like ran a four five, four five seven at the combine. I'm sure at Penn State he's run a little bit faster. So if Clifford went from a four eight, he's now in the four fives, and he's been working on his athleticism. Look out, man! I'm I'm very very excited for Sean Clifford. I am all eyes, man. Sean Clifford. He's not on the board. As soon as he is, I'll put put oh. some money on him. He's on my board. <laughs> uh, so very, very excited uh, for Sean Clifford. Um, and hopefully that controversy or that battle will be, you know, sorted out sooner than later. Uh, another thing around the offense. Um, got a question from some of the Big Ten panelists. And Franklin even brought it up on his own. Uh, we're very young on offense. We're fast. He keeps saying this is the fastest team he's ever been around. Got a lot of speed. But he keeps talking about offensive youth. And I, and I get that. I do. But I feel like this has been part of the conversation for like the last, I don't know, three, four years of we're young, we're young, we're young. Like when does that, when does that not become, because it almost feels like an excuse, right? Like I know it's not, but it, it almost feels like an excuse. When does that become not part of the conversation? Uh, probably when we stop having guys leave after two to three seasons. <laughs> yeah, but, that, but shouldn't you want that though? Like yeah, we do, but we're going to be young for... For forever, we're not going to have many old teams. Like you should, like if you look, and I haven't done the research, but if you look at Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State, most of their guys are leaving after three years because they're NFL talent, yeah. right? So you should theoretically be a young team. Trevor Lawrence, the best quarterback in the damn country, is a freshman. Tua Tagovailoa, however you say his name, was a phenom as a freshman. Like I'm not saying we're going to be a team of five star freshman studs because we're not there yet. We'll talk about recruiting in a little bit, but like. At some point, the strength of recruiting has to balance out like the "quote unquote" excuse of we're young. Does would, that make sense? I would say next season would probably be we're not that young of a team. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's fair. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what so you're gonna have. Me. Guys like KJ will be juniors. You know, the the KJ was, could leave after this year if he wants to. This is his third season. Oh boy! Last year was last year. He was a redshirt freshman. Mm-hmm. You can leave after he could. Hell, Sean Clifford could leave the, after this year. I know that's an absurd thing to say, but theoretically, I mean, if he, he wins balls Heisman out, he wins the Heisman, takes us to the college football playoff, wins, beats yeah. Alabama. Dude, I'm just that's my point. It's like it, may, it makes sense. It all adds up in my book. <laughs> but but my point is like, you should have, like yes, you should always have your vets, right? Like a Cam Brown, a Blake Gillikin, John Reed. These guys are integral. To the team, but if John Reed is healthy, because he missed a whole season, if you remember, if yeah. he's healthy, he's probably gone. Like he's a really good, talented defensive back. He's probably gone. Blake Yellowkin's a punter; they don't leave early, but still, <laughs> you get the point. I, I I don't like hearing about it. It, it. It's it's not a concern to me, but I feel like it's the same thing as the we're we're great, we're not elite. Like when when does the point come where we stop saying those things and we just fucking do it? You know. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm venting. I'm venting. I don't know why. It's, it's like hopefully said, this season. <laughs> it's been a while since we've talked about that shit. Uh, let's flip to some positive stuff. Uh, John Reed was asked about the defense, uh, and he talked about depth at corner, which I really, really liked. So he talked about uh, obviously himself and Tariq Castro Fields, who will be our starters. Uh, followed up talking about Donovan Johnson, which surprised me a little bit that that was the next guy he talked about. Um, Don Johnson, great name. Very um, good name. He played. He played a good bit last year. Uh, he was always the, like the nickel corner. 
John Reed said that Don can run a 4.340 on a bad day. <laughs> he goes, that guy is one of the fastest guys I've ever seen. He can run a 4.3 on a bad day. Uh, and then he mentioned some others. He mentioned Keaton Ellis, who's a true freshman, which I think is awesome that he's getting mentioned right away. Um, talked about Marquise Wilson, who's another uh, incoming freshman, Trent Gordon, DJ Brown. Um, corner is one of the positions that Franklin has called out that he feels really good about. Uh, the three, uh, defensive end, linebacker, and corner are the ones that they say they feel really, really good about. Um, so I thought it was cool to see, see Reed talk about how deep we are at corner. Um, additionally, Cam Brown was asked about, uh, Brandon Smith and Lance Dixon, two freshman linebackers. Uh, he said, and Smith, Brandon Smith has got a ton of praise from coaching staff, from, uh, Dwight Galt, from I'm Franklin. Excited to watch him. Very excited. Uh, Cam, Cam responded saying, he goes, man, when I saw him, he's bigger than me. <laughs> he's going to be a first round pick in a few years. He just gets it. Uh, Franklin said he looks like a man. I think we're going to see a lot of him this year. I, I don't know if it's, you know, right in the mix at linebacker right away, but I think you're going to see him on a lot of special teams. You're going to see him in sub packages. Um, this is a kid when we talk about like the gems of recruiting, a true five star who can come in as a young guy. And play the part. And that I am excited I, about. I hope we don't make the same mistake with Brandon Smith that we made with Micah Parsons last mm. season, though, where he only gets one start because we're just kind of, you know, playing the seniors or playing the upperclassmen. Like, Micah Parsons should have... I get, all right, don't start him for the first two games. you got to see how this, reg, I mean, this true freshman does. Fine. He should have started every single game, like, game three on. Yeah. Yeah. He led the team in tackles. Led the team in tackles one and never started a game. Or yeah. one start. Koa Farmer started every other game. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I and, and I think you're going to see that. Um, I mentioned we'll talk about the running backs in a bit. You're going to see that with some of the running backs, too. Noah Kane, true freshman. Devin Ford, true freshman. These guys are going to get in the mix. Um, so, yeah, I'm very, very excited about that. Uh, one of the funny things from, from Big Ten Media Days, talked about Micah Parsons, as you mentioned him, as kick returner. I did see that. Thoughts. It seems unusual. <laughs> yeah, so I think I think combination uh, linebacker kick returner. <laughs> so, so I would I would say unheard of. Yeah, yeah. So for any of the fans that maybe don't follow the recruiting game as much, um, Micah was one of those kids who in high school was just far and away the most athletic kid in the field and could honestly do whatever he wanted. So he played defensive end. He actually he was a dominant pass rusher, um, which is why like the transition to linebacker um, in college shocked some not shocked but people were like if he's that good as a pass rusher why not keep him as a DN so he was a DN he played some linebacker um, he's also an incredible running back mm-hmm. in high school and again that just goes to like I'm a man and you're all boys and I'm just gonna run the fuck over you but he was like a force if you watch some of those highlights. So I think it'd be kind of funny to see him at kick return and see what he could do. Um, and it's interesting because the players say it like Cam Brown, John Reed, they're like, they asked him, they're like, what would you do if you're on kickoff and you see that guy coming at you? They're like, man, he's got, he's got the speed. He's got the athleticism. Like he could do and he's it. He's big. He's a big boy. Um, so I, I don't know if you want to risk an injury with someone that good, that linebacker though. And it's tough. Right. And that's, I think that's the tough part with, I mean, uh, we were scared about having Saquon back there. Now, with KJ as such such a weapon at wide receiver, you worry about him back there a little bit. Like, I think it kind of comes with the territory. Um, and, like, best-case scenario, what's going to happen is he's going to have, like, three kick-return touchdowns, and that would be unreal. Right, right. It's three touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a little clickbaity though. I think, I think if we do see him and if you read into some of the actual – 
articles and quotes from uh, Lorig, the new special teams coordinator. I think he'll be like the second man, basically the lead blocker for KJ. So like if the kick is short or if they kick away from KJ, sure, take it and run. But I think it'll be more of, hey, KJ's back there to receive it. You are his bowling ball and just bust it open for him, um, which I think is cool too. Still same risk, right? You're on full speed at some guys. But I, I think we'll see it at some point or another, even if it's just for fun. It's kind of fucking exciting. It'll be cool. It's kind of cool. It'll be cool. <laughs> All right. Last, uh, last update from Big Ten Media Days. Uh, talked about the transfer portal. Uh, we have talked about the transfer portal in depth for seems like many, many episodes. Um, we have an episode called Transfer Portal Transfer Portal. Check it out if you haven't. Um, but there was a quote that I actually I thought was super interesting. They were asking Franklin about how he approaches the portal and, and what he thinks it's doing for the game. And uh, a, a, an excerpt from the whole quote, he said, if you enter the portal, you're losing aid at the end of the semester. Now, that doesn't mean you can't come back, but if you're looking, we're looking. You can't be on the team and be looking around and we're not stuck. That doesn't mean you can't come back and join the team, but now that's our choice if we're going to bring you back. We're going to operate as if you're no longer with us. I mean, yeah. What else is he supposed to do? Guy enters the transfer portal, you have to assume he's gone. Yeah. No one's doing it for fun. Yeah. Yeah, and I think think this is... uh, it shocked me at first because I didn't know that you were, I didn't think that was like actually legal for lack of a better word. I was like, you can't just pull someone's aid. Like that seems like retaliatory if that's a word. Um, but it is, it's part of the, it's part of the bylaws. And um, I read in, in uh, the athletic shout out Audrey Snyder. Um, she kind of explained it a bit of like, if you, if you go into the transfer portal first week of a semester, they're not going to pull your aid right at that. Like you, you're going to have it through that semester. So you basically yeah. give yourself a semester to find something. But after that, they, they would. Um, so th- this really only comes into play. And I'm play. assuming if you come back, they... Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah so. but, but again, that's their decision at this point. So I think this, this gets interesting when you have, you know... I, th- I think Jawan Johnson was pretty clear that he was leaving. Like, I don't think it was ever a, a realistic possibility for him to come back. Who was back. it? Lamont Wade? Yeah, When exactly. he came back? He did. Yeah, so that's where I think it gets interesting. And we talked in previous episodes how it's kind of got to be a little bit awkward if you're looking and then you come back. Probably not with teammates. I imagine co- maybe most, a little bit though. Eh, I think I think I think a lot of them are close enough. At least within like your position group, your best friends. I think a lot of them are close enough where they get it. Like you know the guys that Lamont's really close with. I don't think any of them would really give him shit. Um, I think most of the coaches would probably be welcoming players back with open arms, um, especially the talented ones that are expected to be you know sort of big parts of the team. Um, but yeah, I think that becomes super interesting where that creates a lot of friction, right? If you have guys that are looking and you pull their aid and then they come back, it's just, I don't know. I don't love it. But the positive side of this is uh, Franklin said that this year in this 2020 recruiting class, we can take 30 guys or more um, because of the transfer portal, which is sort of an unforeseen consequence, isn't the, the right word, but byproduct of the transfer portal. I didn't realize that. Because now we lost all these people that were scholarship players, whether they were starters or not, opens up more scholarships. And apparently you can actually now, some of the kids that we take in this class, you can like backdate them as part of last year's like scholarship hit. Almost sounds like like a cap space conversation like they do in the pros. It makes sense though. Because yeah. essentially you're losing scholarships from years previous. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, it, that's huge because, uh, and I'll, we're going to get into recruiting a little bit here. Um, we're at 20 guys already in this class. 
It's a big class. The most that Franklin has ever taken in his tenure is 25. Our average over the last five years has been like 23. And when's signing day? Uh, early signing period is not till December. The full, full signing day is February. So we're sitting here like August 1st-ish. You're almost at your cap. That gets a little scary. Um, and it gets a little scary because a lot of the top kids Don't wait. decide, yeah. Yeah, so um, a lot more in recruiting coming up. Uh, let's take a quick break and go to our sponsor. All right, welcome back. Let's get into recruiting. Uh, so like we were talking about, um, we can take potentially 30 guys or more. Uh, we're currently at 20. Um, and, and there's been some concern over recruiting this year. Uh, so I know I know you don't follow it quite as much, um, but but that's what I'm here for, baby. Yeah, you're I got a you. recruiting expert. I got you. Uh, so Lash Bash was this weekend. Uh, this is the big summer barbecue where you get a bunch of commits on uh, campus. You get a bunch of prospects on campus for not only this year, but future years. There were kids for the 2021, 2022 class. Um, it's a huge recruiting weekend. Last year, I think we got one commit. Years prior to that, we used to get a good bit. Um, this year, no commits. But What does that mean, though? But it's kind of, Yeah, it's, it's kind of expected. So what changed last year is... They, they changed the recruiting calendar. So there's there are certain dead periods where you're not allowed to do anything. Basically now, this weekend that, that we just hosted Lash Bash is like the only weekend in the summer that every school is allowed to do something. So every school has their big event on this weekend. So kids are spread out all over the place. Kind of sucks because most of the time, kids love going to a lot of these things, you know? Um so we, we had a decent showing. We, we had a lot of kids. Like I said, I think of our 20 commits, there were like 17 or 18 of them that made it, um, which is awesome. Anytime you get the, the verbal commits on campus, yeah. um, you know, those guys can flip at any time, right? It's just a verbal commitment. Um, we had a handful of prospects for this, this 2020 class. Um, and, you know, like I said, a couple of guys for, for future classes. Um, so I think the big concern this year is about quality of our recruiting class. Um, in the last couple of years, we've brought in some really talented kids. Uh, this year, there, there are a lot more three stars than there have been in the past. I think we have like 15 of our 20 kids are three stars right now. I think last year, our entire class only had five. Um, so there's a lot of worry about like... Do we have any five stars? We don't, do we? Not yet. Um, we have a couple of high four stars that wouldn't shock me if they become five stars. Also, it seems like some of our three stars wouldn't surprise me if they become four either. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I'll, at some point, I keep saying I'm going to do this, but I haven't yet. At some point, I'm going to do like a video breakdown of in-depth recruiting because I think... I think if I ramble on about that right now, half of our audience will like... It gets lost in the shit. Yeah, yeah, half of our audience won't give a shit. Like, and that's fine. Like recruiting, honestly, like I obsess over like high school kids. It's really fucking weird if you think about it. Um, Chris loves high school boys. <laughs> let's not go there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, ones in tight pants. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> our, our, our top commits, uh, top one is Curtis Jacobs, outside linebacker. He is a four-star, rated as a 9.573. So once you get into like those nine six nine sevens, it depends on the recruiting service. You get into five star territory. Would not shock me if he's a five star. He's a super super talented outside linebacker. Already super close with uh, with Micah Parsons and some of the other linebackers on campus. He's awesome. I think he could be a, a five star. Um, one of our newest commits, Enzo Jennings, uh, another high four star. Uh, they have him listed as an athlete. Probably projects as a safety. He recently just committed uh, from Michigan. 
you got a couple other four stars on there. Uh, Koziah Izzard, defensive tackle, Jaden Dotton, wide receiver. Um, those are our three most recent ones since we last um, last recorded, our most recent four stars at least. It's Enzo Jennings, safety from Michigan. Was uh, Dotton, is he the Chuco kid or no? No, that's someone else. So Jaden Dotton is a high school kid, wide receiver from Connecticut. Okay, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Koziah Izzard, uh, defensive lineman from uh, DeMatha Catholic in Maryland, home of Shane Simmons, Mark Allen, a bunch of other guys that we've Mike Rush. Mike he's, Rush. He's in TDX. Legend. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, long story short. TDX rules. Long story short, we are currently uh, ranked 14th nationally as, as a recruiting class. It's July. It's August. Shit's going to change. Like, don't get too hung up on this. Any, any of these kids could leave. Any kids committed elsewhere could come to us. Realistically, the, the biggest thing is like, Performance on the field matters. If you play well this season, more talented kids are going to want to come. That's how it works. After we won the Big Ten Championship, those years were like our best recruiting years ever. Play well, kids will come. I'm personally not worried. Stay tuned for more in-depth video. Also, But it's also another reason why I want these like young guys to really be able to show, like, show on the field. Yeah. Is that that encourages especially these high-profile recruits to come in because they think they can make an impact right away. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I think, you know, we talked a lot about uh, Julian Fleming, uh, top wide receiver who you mentioned hoped. that was part of the reason he didn't come. Exactly. Yeah. He said he saw, you know, Justin, Justin Shorter not being used. Yes, it has to happen. Top players need to get on the field. We need to win. We need to play good ball. Has to happen. Um, one of the positives I'll shout out about recruiting this year, I think, is uh, really spread out. So if we look at by state, uh, Four from Maryland, three from Pennsylvania, three from Virginia, two from Michigan, two from Jersey, one from Connecticut, one from D.C., one from Indiana, one from Nevada, one from Ohio, one from Texas. Fucking all over the map. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Um, you know, Franklin so talks Texas a lot about— Texas kid's a wide receiver, right? Uh, Texas, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, Parker Washington. Very talented wide receiver. Uh, he's a three-star, but I, again, he's one that I could easily see being a four-star by yeah. the end of this. Um so yeah, very cool. Franklin yeah, always talks up, about. I got reading about this kid. He put up huge numbers in Texas foot high school football, which is no joke. Yeah, it's big time. And that's the, that's the other thing I think people need to remember is like this class, they're going into their senior year. It's like kids that are rated at one way or another, they ball out this year. Those ratings are gonna change. They get more tape on these kids. They're gonna change. And like, obviously, I'm not advocating for yeah, get a bunch of three stars because they'll get changed later. And like, no, of course you want four and fives, but like. Don't overreact. It happens. I wouldn't be surprised if that kid becomes a, a four-star. Yeah, I, I think he's really, really talented. Um, yeah, and especially losing losing Fleming, having Jaden Dotton, who is a four-star, Parker Washington, who is a high three-star, and then that Juco transfer, uh, Norval Black, who it's hard to rate Juco kids. Yeah. Like most of them come in as three-stars just because that's sort of standard. Um, but you're building a decent wide receiver class here. Um, so overall, uh, I, I think we're in, I think we're in fine shape. Like last year we finished at 13th overall, like we're at 14 right now. Yes. Our per, per kid average was higher. Uh, last year we were at a, like a 91 right now we're hovering at an 89. I think things will settle out. I'm not super worried. Um, anything else on recruiting? Any, any questions, any comments, any concerns from the peanut gallery? No, I got nothing. It's typically how it goes. All right. Uh, let's move on. Uh, it is watch list season. So we've talked a lot about uh, preseason sports, preseason awards, all that kind of stuff. What are your general thoughts on watch lists? And do we need to explain? 
Um, I, I don't everyone, think we need to explain. I think everyone just, knows what a watch list is, right? Yeah, the <laughs> people who are on the radar for certain awards. Yes. What are your um, general thoughts? I don't mind them because they're not like... I mean, I think the Heisman one's a little silly uh, just because it's so hard to look at guys from essentially every position on the offense or I guess just running backs and quarterbacks, really, yeah. um, and decide who's going to be the best. But with with the more specialized ones, I think, you you generally see the guys that they look at be the guys in the running. Yeah, I, I think it's super cool um, because, kind of like you said, it's it's more specialized. It's a little bit more... Uh, Hey, we think we think this person is someone to keep an eye on. It's not it's not an award, right? Like that the one that kind of gets to me is like you're you're preseason all American or you're preseason all Big Ten. Yeah, like, that's stupid. What does that mean? You know? Like sure, you're saying they're like a player to watch, but like you can't be an all American before you play the game. Yeah, you know? I've never understood that. <laughs> so let's run through these quick. Uh, I tweeted them all out if you want to look at them in more in depth. Um, but what we'll do is we'll go through all of the current nominations and then Pick like two or three that you think maybe have the best chance uh, at winning them. And then we'll do a little bit of context. Uh, so Maxwell Award is the college player of the year. Kind of similar to the Heisman. Not exactly, but very, very important. KJ Hamler is on that one. Uh, Boletnikoff Award, nation's most outstanding wide receiver. KJ Hamler. Lot Impact Trophy, defensive best in character and performance. Utero Gross Matos. Uh, Bednarik. Not a good start, but uh, suspended. I wasn't going to bring it up, man. I wasn't going to say it. But yeah, uh, best in character. Uh, he's suspended for a violation of team rules. Uh, the Bednarik Award is Defensive Player of the Year. We've got uh, Yitor again and also Micah Parsons, which is awesome. Uh, Nagurski Award, Most Outstanding Defensive Player. Also my favorite name. Nagurski. The Nagurski. It's Bronco Nagurski, I believe, right? Pretty fucking awesome. That's a, that's uh, a hell of a name. Most outstanding defense player, you got Itor Grossmatos, Micah Parsons, and Rob Windsor finds his name on this list, which I think is awesome because I think he is someone who does a whole lot of work in those trenches, doesn't always get the shine as some of the flashier players. Very excited for Rob on that one. Uh, Butkus Award, nation's best line. Another badass name, Dick Great. Butkus. Dick Butkus. Uh, Micah Parsons and Cam Brown on that list as well. Outland Trophy, which is the nation's most outstanding interior lineman, Rob Windsor. Uh, what I think is really cool about this one, I looked it up. Most outstanding interior lineman is offensive or defensive. So it could be like a center, uh, a, a guard, or a defensive tackle. Really weird. Like, how do you measure that? But super cool. Uh, the John Mackey Award, nation's most outstanding tight end. Our guy Pat Fryermuth on that. Right. Uh, Remington Trophy, most outstanding center, Michael Mennett. Uh, Hornung Award, Paul Hornung, KJ Hamler. That's the most versatile player. Um, wasn't he a finalist for that last year? Might have been. I think he was a finalist. I think Rondale Moore might have won it from Purdue, that speedy wide receiver. Um, I think KJ might have been a finalist. I'll look that up. Uh, the Ray Guy Award, Best Punter. That's Blake Gillikin. And the Dodd Trophy, Best Coach, James Franklin. So of all of those, uh, what are some that kind of stand out to you that, that you think maybe I'll have give a good you my, chance? my top three. Um, Hornung, mm-hmm. KJ Hamler. Where's Tile? Butkus, Micah Parsons. Love it. Um, and just because I love the name so much, I'm going with Yeter Grossmatos. Now, I'm going with Micah Parsons again, Bronco Nagurski. Yeah, most outstanding defensive player. Man, the guy led the team in tackles while not starting a game. If he plays a full season at the caliber that he can, his name is going to be on a lot of Actually, finalists. you know what? I'm going to replace the Nagurski with the Mackey. 
Damn it! You stole my fucking answer. Um, <laughs> I actually tweeted that out, so I'm gonna take I'm gonna take uh, dibs on that one, but I'll give it to you as well. Uh, yeah, my first my first indication is the Mackey Award um, for Pat Fryermuth because like this is gonna sound worse than I mean it, but I feel like I feel like tight ends across the country isn't as competitive as some other. It's not a groups. huge yeah, like position. if you are a stud as a tight end, you, you stand are out. far away, right? There's if a you're lot a st- of really good wide receivers, a lot of good linebackers, right? Like so, that's not taking away from Frymuth because I think he's an absolute stud. But, but I he's think one I, of few. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think if he if he builds on the year that he had last year as a true freshman, what do you have like eight or nine touchdowns, something like that? Um, I think he has a absolute chance to be Especially a finalist. both those guys from Iowa gone who were yeah. the two best tight ends in yeah. the country. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, I think I think Pat for the Mackey Award, I love. Um, I really like KJ for the Boletnikoff. Uh, this is the most outstanding wide receiver. Um, and I did actually a little bit of research on this one. Um, the last and only Penn State wide receiver to win the Boletnikoff Award was Bobby Engram in 1994. Mm. And that was actually the first year the award was established. Kind of cool little tidbit of history. Um, I looked up some watch list data. It only goes back to 2012. Um, but we've had some other guys on the watch list. Alan Robinson was on it for 2012 and 2013. Uh, 2014 saw Deshaun Hamilton and Geno Lewis. 2015, Godwin and Hamilton. And 2016, Godwin as well. Um, all so, good seasons. Yeah, really good seasons. Like we've had a history of some, I mean, most of those guys, all of those guys are playing professional ball. Four of them in, uh, or three of them in the NFL and Geno killing it up in Canada. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think I, I would love to see KJ win the Blatnikov because um, you see him as like okay, he's this he's this versatile weapon. He's a returner. He's this. He is all of those things. Yes, but he's also a really good fucking wide receiver. He is. Like, and I would love to see him get that recognition of like, hey, he's not just you know uh, uh, a, a speedster, just a freak. Like, this dude knows what he's doing as a wide receiver. So I have those two, and then yeah, I think Butkus for for Parsons is probably um, probably my next one. Um, wouldn't mind seeing Blake Gillikin win the punter award. That just that seems That's cool. It's one of those things. Like, yeah, I would, but I also don't want someone oh. from Penn State to be qualified for the award for best punter because that means we're probably punting a lot. Yeah, yeah, okay. I like we're that. in the position where we need the best punter. Yep. Spin zone, spin zone. So I, I would like to see him get some recognition because he does have a ton of Penn State like all time records for he's being. A, a, he is a great punter. Yeah, last year was a down year, but he's very talented. Um, so yeah, how about this? I hope he's a finalist, recognized for his work, but he doesn't win because it's too small a sample size. I like that. Done. We just solved college football, by the we way. We did. Um, so yeah, a lot of the world. <laughs> a lot of guys on watch lists. Uh, and it's cool to get their recognition, right? It shows that these guys have done some cool things in the past. These committees are looking out for them. So best of luck to all, our, all of our guys. All right. Let's wrap up the show with some TQs. If you are a new listener, those are Twitter questions. So anytime we do a new episode, which, again, is like once every 90 days. Uh, we shoot out a tweet asking for, for questions about anything. So if you guys have any interest, if you have anything, shoot them in. Um, you know, we'll go a little bit more in depth on some than others. Some we may have covered already, but let's just get to it. Uh, so first one comes from CJ Goon, good friend of the program. CJ Scalzetti uh, said regarding Michigan. So from Big Ten Media Days, I purposely did not talk about this earlier because I saw this question. Uh, Jim Harbaugh had some comments about Urban Meyer. Uh, Let me look it up. I think I have the quote here. He said, Urban Myers had a winning record, really a phenomenal record everywhere he's been, but also controversy controversy follows him everywhere he's been. So CJ says, Harbaugh both correct 
and gutless for Meyer comments. What do you think? I wouldn't call it gutless. It's kind of like sour grapes. I think he dislikes Urban Meyer, and I think he's jealous of the fact that Urban Meyer's always beaten him. But also, he's not wrong. Yeah. Urban Meyer's never left a program in better shape than he showed up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I think he's, like, the closest is here with Ohio State where he's leaving them with just, like, minor controversy. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, if you go back, like, I don't know. Okay, so I don't, I'm not an expert in Urban Meyer scandals, but obviously you look at Florida, and he left for quote-unquote health reasons right around the time that it was coming out that, like, all of his players had been arrested or some shit. Yeah. Like, it was, like, the 2008, uh, 2008 National Championship team. I think they said something like 41 of the 100-something kids in the program had been arrested, uh, and then that obviously kind of tailed into the whole uh, Aaron Hernandez thing. Again, I don't know all the details. I'm not claiming to be an expert on law or anything, but there was a lot of shit surrounding that program when he had health problems. Mm-hmm. He went and he was an analyst for a couple of years and then he took over the Ohio State job, right? And now the whole thing with Zach Smith and the domestic abuse, that thing happens and now he's retiring again. And now there's recruiting scandal. Exactly. There's all kinds of shit. It's like self-reported 22 violations yeah. by Ohio State. And they didn't get in trouble like for anything, which is no. great. They, I think they lost like a few scholarships. The, the biggest impact on anything was that we ended up with Micah Parsons, it sounds like. Yeah, maybe. They had to stop recruiting him, and then we got him. <laughs> that seems to be the biggest punishment they've gotten from this whole thing. I actually thing. didn't read that. I mean, I hope that's not the only reason. Fuck. Um, but yeah, I, I, to CJ's point, Harbaugh, both correct and gutless. Uh, again, I, I think I agree with you. He's absolutely correct. Controversy has followed him. And it's funny. People are, like, blowing it out of proportion. And most, like, articles I've read are like, yeah, he's not wrong. Like, why are people, why are people shocked by that? Yeah, it's, it sounds a little... It's it like it reeks of envy. The, it does. The comment. It and, does. and like you said, it's but it's a, correct. Yeah. And it's not only that Urban Meyer is like beat him. He's beat the shit out of him. Like Jim Harbaugh at his time as Michigan has never beaten Ohio State. Yeah. He's never won the Big Ten. Like, of course. Yeah. You, sour grapes is a really good way to say it. Um, but yes, he's absolutely correct. And he even doubled down because someone said, like, do you regret it or something? He goes, I don't think anything I said is new. <laughs> like, I don't think it should be shocking. He's, yeah, he's right, man. Yeah, so... so I, This is actually one of my favorite things Jim Harbaugh... I've ever heard Jim Harbaugh say. Yeah, um, yeah. And I don't think it's gutless at all. I think I actually... To stand up and be like, yeah, I know this guy is... You know, he he's knows he's going to take the criticism that, that Urban Meyer's a better coach than yeah. him. Uh-huh. And he's still saying like, yeah, but I don't think he's... Maybe not that... Not doing a great it the right guy way. To, maybe yeah. not the best guy to bring in for your program. Yeah. Yeah, so here nor there, uh, Urban is, uh, he has like a podcast about being like a good leader and being ethical, which I think is hilarious. Um, he's, yeah. he, I think he's teaching a class at Ohio State on that kind of thing. Very, very comical uh, in this world that we live here nor there. Uh, CJ's follow-up says, don't get the, I don't get the preseason Michigan love. When did Josh Gaddis become Lincoln Riley as an offensive coordinator? Both Penn State and Bama passed on him as offensive coordinator. So a little bit of history for anyone that is not familiar. Josh Gaddis uh, was wide receivers coach for Penn State. Uh, he was with Franklin through the Vanderbilt days. I don't know how far back before then, um, but he was a wide receivers coach with us. Did wonders. A great wide receiver. For our wide receiver program. Like, he was incredible. Those were the years of the Godwin, the Hamilton, uh, that that whole crew. Uh, Brandon Polk, uh, DeAndre Tompkins. We had had a couple of really, really good years. Um, When Joe Moore had left, there was an opening for offensive coordinator. Franklin decided to promote Ricky Ronnie. Instead of Josh Gaddis, there was a lot of there's a lot of you know speculation about one of them was going to get it, and obviously everyone has their opinion. Uh, so after that, 
Gaddis left and went to be the wide receivers coach slash co-offensive coordinator at Alabama. Uh, obviously had a good year there at Alabama, but still, I mean, he had, he had some incredible wide receivers down there. Uh, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, uh, they all had like really, really good years. Um, then I, I think they have an opening too because Mike Loxley left to go be head coach at Maryland. So they had an opening and to CJ's point, I guess he got passed over. I don't know, but he is now the offensive coordinator at Michigan. So Harbaugh plunked him. So to summarize all that, wide receivers coach Penn State goes to Alabama, wide receivers slash co-offensive coordinator, now at Michigan as the offensive coordinator. And there's a lot of buzz that Michigan's offense is going to be electric this year because of Gattis. Um, I have no idea. Yeah, I think I understand where CJ's coming from here. Um, I think Josh Gattis definitely deserves buzz. You know, he's certainly shown that he's – an absolute genius with wide receivers um, and good enough to be at least a co-offensive coordinator at Alabama, but he, there's not enough body of work, I guess, to to just a claim that Michigan's going to have one of the best offenses in the country. Yeah, exactly. Um, as far as the preseason Michigan love, I, I think that's just going to always happen. They're a quote-unquote blue blood. They have Jim Harbaugh. They are semi-relevant in the Big Ten until Ohio State beats them every year. Like, I know we can't talk because they smashed us recently. Um, Two out of three years. Yeah, like I, I get that. I'm not trying to say we're better than them, but I think the buzz will always be there. Just like, quite frankly, there's buzz about us every year, right? Like, we had some ugly-ass losses last year, but there's still going to be buzz about is Penn State in it for the Big Ten. Yeah. So, like, I, I get the buzz. Gaddis, I'm, I'm torn because I actually really like Josh Gaddis. I want to see him do well, but like... Not at Michigan, I don't. Not at Michigan, man. Like, if you were at Alabama, dude, do you. Crush it. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. As far as him being like a, a genius and a savior at offensive coordinator, time will tell. Um, yeah, I, I honestly don't know. I would say he's probably a little overhyped. Yeah, probably. Um, but, I mean, that, that tends but to be with Michigan not, as well, too. That's not because too. he's not good. No, but I think you get a lot of that with Michigan of the overhype of anything, right? Like when Harbaugh came in, it was, oh, they're going to win every championship and they're going to be unstoppable. Hasn't quite happened, right? Um, yeah, Michigan is, is a good team and it'll always be a battle in the Big Ten, but I, I don't, this to me isn't like, okay, now they are the favorites far and away. Agreed. Uh, last, last one from CJ on this tweet was James Franklin needs to say open competition at QB, but we all know it's Clifford's job. Yeah. We talked about that a little bit. So, um, we agree with you there. All right. Next comes from Andrew Hanselman. Shout out Andrew. Um, give us a bunch of different topics and I'll be honest, Andrew, first and foremost, thank you for writing in. I think a lot of these, we're going to get into more depth in probably the next episode because, as we're getting into the season now, we're actually going to do a little bit more of like, let's look at the offense. Let's look at the defense, but let's touch on them a little quick. Uh, so first one, he says uh, safety battle. So at safety, we know that Garrett Taylor is going to be one safety. He had a phenomenal year last year, um, but the position next to him is, is pretty open right now. I'm calling Jaquan Brisker. Baby. It's been your guy. You, you have sat on that for a while and you have stuck consistent. So I, I applaud you for that. Quanny B. Um, yeah, and I've seen some quotes about uh, about Jaquan Brisker being super talented, uh, you know, in sh- in football shape. Obviously, coming from JUCO, um, but I think it's you know, uh, I think Franklin said you know it's just him learning the playbook and, and getting adjusted to all of that, um, which you know is is a challenge for anyone coming into a new program. Uh, but some of the other guys, Lamont Wade, like we talked about, flirted with the transfer portal, but he is back. Uh, if you remember, he came in as a five star recruit, was like the number one player in Pennsylvania. Um, was a corner to start. They moved him to safety. He's a super talented kid. I, I want to see him. 
I want to see him as the second starter. Like I'll say that one. You're taking Jaquan Brisker. I want Lamont Wade there. I got, I think Brisker's great. Uh, the other one that that goes into that a lot is uh, Jonathan Sutherland, who we saw uh, kind of a kind of a Marcus Allen type, more downhill hard hitter. Um, I want to see Lamont Wade succeed, man. Like I I, yeah. I don't know why I got a soft spot for him. Like I want to see this kid just ball out and kind of like prove the haters wrong is like a, a cliche way to say it but like he's he's been doubted so much yeah i like, see where you're coming from I, I just i don't know it would be a cool story to like end his career with came in as a five-star recruit didn't really get a lot of playing time early thought about leaving decided to stay came out and was just a huge Had a great year yeah. yeah so like that would be cool to see that's that's my that's my hope um but i think like any position having Having competition where two or three guys could actually start is a very good thing. Yeah. It's huge. Like, I, all I think, three of them will get playing time probably. Yeah, you'll see rotations. Um, and, and like I said, they are they are different styles. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited. I think I think we've, we've talked about how deep we are at corner and how Franklin has identified that as a strength. I think safety might surprise people. Because oh, it, it, it's I a big question mark good. right now, but I think it's going to be pretty good. Um, I think our defense is going to be really good. I know, I know, and I can't wait to get into some of these. And like, if you guys are, if you guys have listened to other shows, I in the off season I talk about like I don't want to do the typical off season. Let's look at the offensive line. Let's look at the defensive line. Like, I mean, I don't want to do that in like April when there's nothing to talk about because camp is months away. You have no idea, and it blows my mind when people spend so much time discussing that. That being said, we will be doing that in late August. We are in camp now, so <laughs> of course we're going to talk about it. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited for that. Uh, second point from Andrew's emergence of CJ Thorpe. Uh, so CJ Thorpe, another high, highly ranked kid. I think he's a four-star when he came in. Offensive lineman from Pittsburgh, I want to say. Um, freshman year, I don't think he played. Uh, I think he redshirted. Uh, and then last year... Um, Unless this is his second year, I should really do more prep for these shows here nor there. <laughs> Last year, they flipped him to defensive line because we were so thin at defensive tackle from some injuries and some other things that had happened. Uh, he is now back on the offensive line, and he's always gotten uh, sort of the re- reputation for being, you know, a physical, nasty, mean streak mauler of a lineman. Um, which is like everything you want to hear. So, yeah. uh, as far as the emergence of him. I think I think he has a chance to be one of the starters, absolutely. Um, but I think it'll be I think it'll be one of those like more true competitions because there's a couple of guys. Um, if you look at our offensive line, there's Will Fries at right tackle. Um, Steven Gonzalez is one of the guards. Michael Mennett is the center. The other guard position is kind of open, and then the left tackle right now is Rashid Walker, uh, redshirt freshman, who has gotten another one. I talked about when they hype kids up, they normally come through. This kid has got a ton of hype, stepping in at left tackle, one of the most important positions on the field. Um, so I think that other guard position right now, um, and I think this is correct. If I'm wrong and someone has better information, please just yell at me. Uh, but that other guard position, I think you're going to see CJ Thorpe, Mike Miranda, um, there might even be one more that I'm thinking about some of the younger guys, but like, I, I think it'll be more of a, a true competition and maybe even a rotation until someone like actually wins it. Um, so I hope there's like an emergence. I hope yeah. he, I'll be, I'll be out. rooting for CJ Thorpe. I think that that offensive line could use a little attitude. A little Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. And he, if you remember, he was the one last year that got like a bunch of the stupid penalties on defense for being like 
pretty like yeah. you know uh i don't know he got like one is. really bad one yeah but it was like he hit he like he like hit someone like it was either way after the whistle or like, it was something stupid and i was just like come on man but at the same time like i want that from an offensive lineman of yeah. like just someone who's super physical so yeah hope hope for big things from cj and and as camp progresses we'll uh we'll get into that a little bit more uh, next one from Andrew, uh, yardage for Noah Kane and his outlook. Uh, so this is where we're going to talk about the running backs a little bit. You mentioned it earlier. We are pretty deep at running back. Uh, so right now it looks like Ricky Slade, Journey Brown, uh, Noah Kane, and Devin Ford. So Ricky is obviously coming off of a decent year last year with, with a couple of flashes backing up miles. Uh, Journey, we've heard a lot of hype about. Um, he is a dude who is an absolute speedster. Um, he broke like the hundred meter record in Pennsylvania, which was like a something like a something like sixty or seventy years old, something crazy, and he broke that record. Um, he had like video game numbers. I don't know if you remember. There was a high school game where he had like seven hundred yards and ten yeah. touchdowns. Like the kid, the kid can play, but it's obviously they said you know it's taken him some time to kind of get acclimated to the game. Um, but Franklin talks a lot about him being a playmaker. And then you have two top 10 running backs coming in, in Noah Kane and Devin Fort, both true freshmen, both high four stars. I think Devin might've been even a five star, um, depending on the service, both really, really talented kids. Um, people talk about Kane the most and, and not Ford because Kane enrolled early. So he's been on campus for a full semester. Devin Ford just came in this summer. Dude, it wouldn't shock me to see both of them on the field. Yeah, but I, I think it's going to be tough for either of them to really break out just because Ricky Slade, I think, is your obvious starter. Um, he's shown that he can play. Uh, Franklin obviously has you know, a very high opinion of Journey Brown, and he's yeah. got some crazy athleticism. Now, those are two guys who are – you got one guy who's already taking up most – you know, over 50% of the snaps probably. Yep. Let's say Journey Brown gets even 20% of the next. Then you got – you know, thirty yeah. percent of the snaps split between two guys. It's going to be tough for you of them to break out in their first season. And I, I wouldn't. I think you'll probably see some flashes of greatness for both of them. Yeah. But I wouldn't look for either of them to be consistent impact players. Yeah, and I think, I think for me, I'll give a quick spoiler alert for a future question. There's a question that we'll answer in a minute about what's the group you're most concerned about. Um, I'm going to kind of cop out on that because I don't, I don't really have like a super concern. I'm, I'm going to say running backs though. And not for the, not for the fact that I don't think they're going to be successful, but for exactly what you just talked about. How do you get four guys that are incredibly talented playing time, touches, development, you know, syncing with the offense, all of that. Because I think, I mean, we just talked about how if you have super talented freshmen, you got to play them. Right. So I, I think from what I've seen with Noah Kane and Devin Ford, they are that good. Both of them. So, like, not only how do you get one in the field along with Ricky and Journey, but how do you how get, get both? both. That's tough. It's tough. And, and Franklin has said, like, he does believe this year will be more of a running back by committee and keeping those guys fresh, um, which is super different for us. Like, think yeah. about the last three years. It's been Saquon, Saquon, Miles as, like, the guy with, you know, flashes of the backup. So, for Kane particularly, I think he's gotten a lot of – a lot of the shine because he was on campus early, played in the blue-white game, had a couple of flashy plays, um, and, and I think he's really, really talented. I, what I would say is don't sleep on Devin Ford because I think he's just as good, if not better. So good problem to have. you got a lot of talented kids. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly from Andrew says, where do we stand for our top five targets? And he, lister, he lists 
Berger, Lee, Holmes, Johnson, and Lambert. I'll let um, you take this one. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll talk about two of them because they were on campus for, uh, for Lash Bash. Jalen Berger, or Berger, I don't know how you say it, uh, four-star running back. And Theo Johnson, uh, four-star tight end. I think they're both four stars, could be five, depending on the service. Um, I feel better about Theo Johnson than I once did. Um, I think getting him on campus for Lash Bash was huge. He is a quickly rising tight end in the rankings. He was he was up there already, and he's just continued to skyrocket from Canada. Um, we have some success with Canadian players. Jesse Lakeda. Um, there's a couple others, actually, recently, too. Akil Lynch. Yeah, I remember him. Um, so I actually feel pretty good about, uh, Theo Johnson, not like I wouldn't say a lock, but I think we're in a really good spot. Uh, Jalen Berger's tough. Uh, and then Lee and Lambert might be, I'm sorry. I, I should have looked these all up. Um, there's like, there's like several running backs that we have on our target list right now. Um, how many more running backs can we get on this team? Well, right now in the 2020 class, we don't have any committed from my understanding. Uh, double checking. Yeah, we don't have any. So we'll take at least one in this class. Um, Berger is probably the, the highest priority one. Uh, he, he's a really, really talented kid. Uh, he was on campus. Like I said, the, the more you can get kids on campus, the better chance that you have. Anytime they're going around taking looks uh, elsewhere, it's, you know, you never know. So for me, I think those two out of the five that you named, I feel the best about. Uh, Keandre Lambert is a wide receiver. Um, he, he's kind of flirted with it, but he's got some offers as well. Kayvon Lee is a running back, so that's uh, the other one that you mentioned. Uh, yeah, Lee, Lambert, and Berger. So for me, out of those, I Kayvon Lee has been tweeting a lot. Um, kind of like kind of like cryptic about like liking Penn State, so it wouldn't surprise me. But for me, I, I think out of those five, the two that I see most likely are Jalen Berger and uh, Theo Johnson. Great question. Moving on. Uh, CJ Goon, back in the mix. I retweeted this. Came back. CJ, you're the man. Uh, says, do you think James Franklin likes being in the position where we are under the radar versus the front runners? So if you've seen most of the preseason polls, I don't think any of the official ones are out, but most of like the preseason rankings have us somewhere in like the 13 to 16 range. Um, so let's answer this two ways. Do you think James Franklin likes that? And then what's your opinion on it? I think we'll never know whether James Franklin <laughs> likes it. Because no matter what position we're in, that's the position James Franklin's going to tell you he loves. Yeah. If we yeah. were ranked number one in the country, he'd be telling you how much he loves that everyone's gunning for us. We are elite. That we're, yeah, we're the top dogs. <laughs> but uh, since we're like 13th, he's going to tell you about how he loves we're being slept on and yep. only eight wins. <laughs> you know? We're going to surprise a lot of people. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Okay, what's, what's your <laughs> position on it? Um... Because I know mine, and I'm interested to see what you think. You know what? I I mean, I'd rather be the guy, the the guys who are in the top five mix. Yeah, because it's been so long since we were. Okay, I, I don't know what it feels like. Okay, I'll, actually, I the it. only reason I know what it feels like is because I'm a Penn State wrestling fan. <laughs> and let me tell you, it feels pretty fucking good. <laughs> to be, yeah, to be the best. It helps that we deliver every time. Yeah. But yeah, I'm a fan of yeah. that. Okay, <laughs> fair. Um, from from the way that we've seen college football work, I am much I am much happier starting the season at number fourteen than I am at number two, because the way that rankings shift throughout the year, and this changes a little bit with college football playoff versus sort of the old BCS. But if you stumble at all early on, you're gonna drop in the rankings. 
if you, I mean, losses, absolutely, but even close wins, you see teams that are ranked super high start dropping a little bit, dropping a little bit, um, just because another team will have an upset or I'll have a blowout win. And it just becomes so arbitrary, like later in the season, if you're number four versus number seven, like no one's going to look back and say like, oh, well, why did they drop to seven? It was because they only won by 10 against Appalachian State or something stupid like that. I think that gets forgotten. Versus if you start at 14 and you're rising and you're rising and you're rising, people are like, wow, look at this team. Yeah, they're cruising. They should be in the top four. So like from a purely political standpoint, I would prefer being lower. Um, But from like, yeah, put respect on my name. Of course, I'd want to be in the top. So good question. I have no idea what James Franklin thinks. That's what we think. Uh, Last one from CJ says outside of wide receivers actually catching the ball. Uh, Ooh. Too soon? Too real? Uh, what would you like to see different from the offensive, uh, from the offense this year? I, for one, would like to see the running back screen pass. So what would you like to see different from the offense? I'd like to see much better pass blocking. <laughs> We're going to jump to that next question about <laughs> what position group you're concerned with, huh? Uh, let's talk about the screen pass for a little bit because I think this is super interesting. Um, I have been on record in the past. It might have even been the last season about hating the screen pass. Um, but, but it was because of the way that they were doing it. Uh, I think it was Ronnie might've even been in the Moorhead days. Um, there was never really screens. It was just like a running back swing where miles would like the bubble screen, bubble out, throw it to him and he would get lost for seven. Like every time it never worked. And, and I'm sure maybe once in a while, but I hated that. I would like to see a more aggressive offense. Yeah. Which I guess it's hard to have done that last season when our wide receivers kept dropping the ball. Mm-hmm. You don't want to start on second and ten. Of course. But I would like to see a more aggressive, like, passing on first downs kind of offense. Yeah. Yeah, so I think from, from a running back screen pass, I'm cool with, like, actual screens. Because, again, I think, one, we have the talent to do it. All four of these guys are super, super athletic, super fast. Um, I, I think that's really cool. Um and and two, I think I think in general for me it's just like more, more creativity, more creative place. Like I get it, it was Ronnie's first year, um, and I'm not an expert. Like don't come back at me saying like I I, I well say be we want creative plays, but we can't give you any creative. Plays yeah, I don't fucking want. know. But like my point is like last year it felt like we were very predictable, and I think maybe that's what you mean about like being more aggressive. It felt like we were super predictable. Like yeah, we had a couple of jet sweeps here and there. KJ Run had a on really first nice down. One. Yeah, short pass on second down. Yeah, it seemed a little predictable. Um, so this is year two of Ronnie, year two of some skill guys, KJ, Pat Fryer move. I want to see a little bit of like razzle dazzle. So um, specifically, I don't know. I'm not an offensive genius, but for me, yeah, just a little bit more creativity, a little bit more mix it up. And I think you're going to see that. Like you, you've you've seen the articles about how they want to get KJ involved in as many ways as they can, right? I think you're going to see some more of those like jet sweeps, designed runs, Pat's phone going off in the middle of a podcast, exactly. so unprofessional. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. I don't know if it's like I can't give you answers, but I'm excited for that. I'd like to see... Um I'd like to see us going to like Pat Frymuth running some seam routes on first down. Yeah. For like 15 yard chunks. Yeah. Oh, you know what I'm actually really excited for? I'm excited for two tight end sets. Um, yeah. I think you used to see them a while ago. I think O'Brien, maybe, maybe it was the O'Brien days. Somebody loved running them. Um, but I think Frymuth has established himself as obviously the guy. Nick Bowers is supposed to be healthy this year and supposed to be very good. Uh, and then you've got Zach Kuntz who came in with Frymuth, who is. Uh, again, he's like six, seven and another matchup nightmare. Like get a couple of these guys on the field at the same time. That could be pretty cool. Matchup like, nightmare. I like that idea. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Pat and I are now running Penn State's offense. I just, just the idea that we're threatening to 
pass co- constantly on first down. Yeah. Really, really, I think, opens up the offense. Yeah, and I think that's, like, differently. I think there are a lot of question marks. Obviously, we'll see how Clifford plays. We'll see how the offensive line comes together. Um, see if but we yeah. can catch the ball. See if we can catch the ball. I think we, I think we will. I think, I, I think we will also really, catch the ball. And that's the other thing I'll say. There's a lot of, there, not a lot, but there is some turnover on the coaching staff. So we have the new wide receivers coach in. Uh, uh, who I'm very excited about. I think, yeah. I think I, he's going to be tremendous. I'm very, everything I've heard, everything I've read is positive about this guy. Um, really, really like him. You got a new special teams coach in as well. I, I think there's a lot to be excited for this season. Uh, so let's wrap it up with the last questions from Jeffrey Wallazer Jr. Shout out, Jeffrey. No Schlegels Bagels? Schlegels didn't write in this time. Oh, Unbelievable. We miss you. We want you back. Schlegels or was it Kegels? Schle- I thought it was Schlegels. Schlegels is from How I Met Your Mother. You You're ever right. see that show? Yeah. yeah. Sure, Shout out to our listeners. Kegels, I, actually was, I was just watching that the other day. Uh, Kegels Bagels Schlegels. is another uh, another one of our, our followers who has written in in the past. See, guys, if you write in, you get this sort of commentary and entertainment. Yeah, we will forget your name. <laughs> so wrapping up. You're welcome, people. <laughs> Jeffrey Walliser Jr. says, what's the position group you're most concerned about heading into 2019 Penn State football season? and what is the position you're most excited about? Um, you know my answer for the first one. Yeah, but for those new listeners, we've gotten a lot of new followers, so True. maybe some new True. listeners. Pat, give them your spiel. It is the offensive line. Um, that's and, and I would say it's the only position I'm really worried about at all. Uh, I just I don't think our offensive line has been that great over the past couple of years. I think where we struggle, the, we get the job done. Offensive line gets the job done every time we ta- play teams that we're better than. But when we play the Michigans and the Ohio States and, you know, fingers crossed if we're ever to make a college football playoff, those are the teams that just destroy our offensive line. They get pushed back. The pass blocking is porous. And, like, we we, we play the entire game on our side of the line of scrimmage, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny you say the word porous. I remember going back to... The Hackenberg days. That was like Ugh. that was the word every journalist loved. Porous Hackenberg sacked again behind a porous offensive line. Uh, and realist, honestly, like since then, it it's never been a strength. Never of the team. Like like you said, there have been times where it's been good enough. Um, and I'll say there's even seasons where it's been better than been better than others. I know you you have a little bit more hate towards them than maybe <laughs> Not I do. Hate. Not, Not hate. hate. No, it, it's uh it's uh, tough love is what it is. We we love the program here. We don't hate anything. Um, but yeah, I think I think yeah, it's never really been a strength. And and for me, the the concern or the biggest like letdown was last year was supposed to be that year, right? We had Connor McGovern, we had Ryan Bates, we had Gonzalez, we had Mennett, we had Will Fries. Like that was a a strong five. Now we lost Bates and McGovern, and, and we got destroyed on mm, the line by Michigan last season. Yeah, yeah destroyed. It's, it's, it's super concerning. So and that seems to be the only position group where. It ever is that big of a difference? Yeah, yeah, and and again, this is this is not just a shit on the offensive line. Of course, we want these guys to succeed. Like we are fans of the yes. team. First I very and much want them. Of I course. want to be wrong so badly. Yeah. So for for me, like to to try to put a positive spin. I know I kind of went through the the lineup last year, but Will Fries, another year in the program. You hope he takes a step. Uh, Steven Gonzalez. This is his fifth year senior. He he came. He could have went in NFL. He came back. So that's more experience. Uh, Michael Mennett, this is his second year as a center calling the offensive line. You hope there's more experience there. Um, you know, the other open guard, hopefully that competition fosters someone amazing. And then hopefully Rashid Walker as, as that, you know, hot shot freshman left tackle, um, you know, comes in and gets the job done. So 
I get it. I understand why you're concerned about them, but I am cautiously optimistic. I'll say that way. All right. Uh, for me, yeah, and it, it's tough because there, there's not a lot of position groups I'm concerned for. I think wide receivers, the only issues we had last year was drops. I think there's a ton of talented, talented kids in that room. Um, you look at KJ, obviously, Justin Shorter should have a huge year. Like, he didn't play last year. He was a five-star. He was the number one receiver in, in the country coming out of high school. Uh, Daniel George him. had a, you know, had some flashes. He should be really good. Mac Hippenhammer, Jahan Dotson. Like, Hammer. there's a lot of kids in that room. I love um, quarterbacks. Cliff, I, I'm not even worried about it. Defense, overall, I feel good about the defense in general. Yes, I do. So, for me, that leaves the running backs. Like I said, I'm not concerned about talent. I'm not concerned about production. Um, I'm just concerned a little bit about how we're going to use them. Will um, we be able to get a rhythm? Yeah, because I think when you get a little bit too cute and you do too much of the committee, it can – it can be tough, um, but got to put trust in our guys um, and 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 hope uh, hope that we get the best out of them. I trust trust Jaywan Sider, running backs coach. I think Ronnie in year two is going to be. I, I expect a big jump from him. Um, so concern for for that reason. Um, but let's flip position group you are most excited about. Got to be the linebackers. Has to be. Yeah. Micah Parsons, uh, Cam Brown. Brandon Smith. I want to see Brandon Smith on the field <laughs> so bad. Don't forget about our guy, Jan Johnson. Right? Jan Johnson, yes. Former wrestler. For, former former heavyweight wrestler. Yeah. Jan Johnson. How, how could I forget? After all the shit I talked on yeah. him last season, <laughs> and he just proved me so wrong. Week over week over week. If any of you people think I'm not happy to be wrong <laughs> about a kid on Penn State, just listen to how excited I was about Jan Johnson being good. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I think I think for me, there's. I just talked about the wide receivers. I'm super excited about them. Uh, tight ends. I, I, there's a lot to be excited about. Um, yeah, linebacker in general. You've got so Jan Johnson, Micah Parsons, guys that haven't played but should step up this year and get more playing time. Jesse Lucada, Ellis Brooks. Um, there's a lot to be excited about there. Uh, for me, it's the defensive ends. It's another one that that Franklin talked about as a strength. So obviously, you have Etor, Etor Grossmatos as the one. Uh, on the other side. My my eggs are in the Shaka Tony basket. I think this kid is an absolute stud. We're a big um, fan of the Tonys here. Yeah, shout out to the Tony family. They interact with us on Twitter all the time. We love you guys. Um, I think I think he's incredible. He he had he's had flashes. He had the one game last year where he had four sacks in a single game. Um, he had five in the whole season. So obviously that just kind of shows more of uh, you know limited playing time. I he, he's he's been sort of projected as smaller but faster like the kid's bulked up too like he looks the part like he's big he's fast he's quick and he gets he gets so many compliments for being like high iq smart football guy like smartest on the field kind of thing i would love to see those two as our starters and then you get the rotation of jason Owe, who has gotten a ton of ton of praise uh shane simmons who has been hurt for a while um but again came in as a five star a couple years ago um I think there's just so much to be excited about for defensive end that, that that's the one for me that I'm, I just I want to see those wild dogs eat. Yes, man. I yes, I love it. All right. Well, I that, think our defense is just going to be really exciting this year. It's going to be awesome. Um, and it has to be, right? If, if offense is going to be somewhat of a question mark, which, again, I don't, I'm not super worried, but there's new pieces, there's new rhythm. Defense, yes, absolutely should anchor us down, and I'm excited for it. Uh, so I feel like this is a really long episode. If you're a new listener, thanks for checking us out. Um, like I said, we don't do these a ton in the off season, but as the season starts, you will get these weekly. We'll do recaps after the game uh, every week, and we'll do some preview short episodes each week leading into the new game. A um, lot to be excited for. We're a month away. Team is reporting to camp. We're actually going to get 
actual updates, actual storylines. Uh, and I'm super excited for the season. So yeah, thank you for listening. Appreciate you guys as always. Pat, anything else for the listeners? Thanks for coming by. Appreciate you guys. We are.